0: everyone. This is Gary Bean welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 40. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually-oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. Uh, during each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider your questions Uh, that panel consists of Jim McCarty husband to the late Carla Rucker scribe for the raw contact and president of LL research along with Austin Bridges and myself who are working hard to keep the mission of LL research alive and well each of us a devoted seeker and student of the law of one uh, this podcast is not intended to be um, we give you the answers to your questions. Rather, um, it is a platform of discussion um, that often challenges us to find what our own perspective on these questions is and requires that we do some research often. Um, and our replies, of course, are not uh, the end-all be-all. They're not final um, they're just our subjective opinions. So we, of course, ask that you always exercise your own discernment and use your own resonance in determining uh, what is true for you. And if you'd like to send a question for this show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You can either send an email to contact at org, or go to org slash podcast. For further instructions, again, uh, I'm Gary Bean, and we are embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast in the now. Uh, Austin Bridges and Jim McCarty, are you with us? We are. I'm here. All right, we shall march forward. Then, <clears throat> our good friend Jeremy has sent a, a couple questions into us. Um, the first of which is. Does the Confederation have a visual symbol that represents it? Moreover, can you comment on the Confederation's nature and why it's important to speak of it using such seemingly concrete political terms? Shoo. Um, Austin, what do you think?
1: Well, um, these seem like two separate questions about the visual symbol that represents it and then the confederations nature and concrete political terms. So I don't know about a visual symbol. I think Jim, if there is one, then Jim might know about it, but I don't know about that. But I can comment on the idea of them using concrete political terms and their nature. Um, But I think that uh, what we understand as politics or as political is heavily influenced by our third density experience. Uh, which is an experience designed around producing catalyst within organized groups. So obviously our idea of politics is going to be one of great catalyst. Uh, that's sort of the purpose of our density. So it's probably good to keep in mind that when trying to apply our own opinions on how groups can organize uh, in higher densities, that uh, this density is going to be distinctly different And our opinions and our perspectives will probably be greatly distorted. And even on top of that, our political terminology uh, that we use is uh, all that the Confederation has to describe themselves as a group working together uh, and to describe how they organize and act. And so uh, it might not be the most adequate terminology, but it's what we have in our culture that they can relate to. Uh, but with that said, I think that the confederation described by Ra and other LL channelings does seem to be a political system to me. There are sort of hierarchies in a sense and types of authority and social memory complexes have to gain approval from a council before interacting with lower densities and different entities have different roles in the confederation and they all group their resources into a pool to work together and uh, form a unified, cohesive group to work for a specific purpose. And I think that is kind of the definition of a confederation, is a union of sovereign groups unified towards a common purpose. And the term implies that while they operate in a unified fashion, they are made up of distinct groups, which I think is one thing that they uh, really want to communicate when they use that term, that the confederation as a whole certainly has its own lessons But the memory complexes within the Confederation are each upon their own path, and they're simply working towards a common goal. Uh, So to directly respond to Jeremy's question, I think that they use such concrete political terminology simply because it's the most accurate way to describe how they function. It does seem very political to me, in a sense, just not uh, doesn't have that tinge of third-density politics that we're used to that is very polarizing. So that's what I think. Are you there, Gary?
0: Oh, it was on mute. I had uh, (laughs) replied to you and was wondering why (laughs) nothing was happening. Um, I had said thank you very much and then um, turned the mic over to Jim to see what he had to say.
2: Well, as far as a visual symbol, I don't know of any unless it's a little green man or something. (laughs) Uh, um, I don't think they have much in the way of symbols. There might be symbols that would go with various social memory complexes, but not for the confederation as far as we know. Uh, as far as their uh, description of their nature or their organization in political terms, I think that, well, number one, it's unavoidable to uh, describe a group of people and not be political because when you get entities of any kind together and they relate to each other and they uh, try to work together, then that's basically the, I think the definition of politics is how people get along together or don't get along together. Fortunately, I think that the Confederation gets along pretty well. And I also think that words, as far as our words here on Earth, are are pretty much inadequate to be able to really define the nature of these beings, and the nature of their their groupings, and the nature of what they do. We can say that they are attempting to be of service to all of those around them, and especially now to Earth, as we're close to the uh, density change from third to fourth. Um... But uh, I think uh, a good idea about how different they are is when Ra asked or Don asked Ra, how many, what percentage of the entities in the known creation would be enough similar to uh, people here on Earth to be able to get onto a bus and pass unnoticed? And Ra said, "Well, about five percent," which is pretty tiny. And then Ra, Don said, "Well, how about if you know they were somewhat different, but you would still imagine that they could be Earth people, and that still it was only like thirteen percent." So we're dealing with entities that are quite different. And I think that not only are they going to be different in their physical appearance, but probably in their, um, their attitudes towards um, how they would group together, how they would serve, and how they would uh, carry out the functions of this confederation. So I think that the confederation's name, you know, the, the confederation of planets in the service of the infinite creator, is pretty accurate as far as we can go. Uh, it's a confederation. It means that they're not alike at all. But they are allied, as Ross said. They're allied in service. And they're in service to the creator because there's nothing else to serve. That's that's it. But we have various, shall we say, vibrations or distortions or representations of the creator in different types of entities, such as, for example, we have here on Earth. So when they attempt to be of service, then they uh, have to somehow tailor what it is they wish to offer to that which it is we need and also to um, check it with uh, the Council of Nine or the Council of Saturn. So it it definitely is a political process. And I guess, um, well, for me, uh, politics or political has kind of a negative connotation that it really shouldn't have, because that is the way we all get along together. So um, I'll try to erase that political thing from my mind Mm -hmm. and realize that uh, that's just it, that we are political beings when we attempt to deal with each other.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jim and Austin. <clears throat> um, yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Um, it's, uh, political it has a kind of pejorative feel to it here, and I think that's kind of where Jeremy's coming from. Why, why does Confederation use this term when uh, on earth politics ha- is permeated with disharmony? The word politics tends to put a bad taste in one's mouth. It's even a topic that um, one is counseled not to have a conversation about at the dinner table because um, it puts people at such odds. But Ra describes the higher densities as, um, as an environment wherein disharmony is impossible. So whatever their uh, or political arrangement, they can't have, they literally can't be at odds or in conflict with one another the way um, we are so naturally and reliably here on earth. Um, Jeremy actually sent this question in prior to a visit he made to Louisville. And um, he was on and uh, in, in the now at the time, it was April. And um, we were talking about this question and uh, we asked it of Quo on Jeremy's behalf and and Quo uh, offered this thought. They said, as you look upon the word confederation, the beginning of the word is that which means in Latin together. Together, we are a grouping of entities that seek to be of service to the one creator. However, we are federated in a certain fashion so that each of us has, you might say, particular abilities or specialties so that Some may be those who offer energies of healing to planetary entities. Some may be those who offer energies of assistance to individuals, to wanderers, to particular efforts of a, shall we say, philosophical nature, to which many entities may be dedicated themselves and in need of assistance. Uh, Thus we, together, seek to serve the one and the many. And um, that echoes what uh, Jim was quoting, and uh, uh, Ross says in 6.24, Uh, Where they say, it is a true confederation in that its members are not alike, but allied in service according to the law of one. Ra specifies something about their membership saying, 53 civilizations comprising approximately 500 planetary consciousness complexes. So 500 Earths of different densities, you might say, which is kind of mind-boggling. <clears throat> and L research channels have spoken to but a few of those. Uh, Ra, um, Hatan, Latwi, and Axel, <clears throat> and a couple others have come through over over the years. So who knows how many more and with what specialties each has. Um, and then I did a little research uh, on Wikipedia and it's basically just uh, elaborates on what Jim and Austin were already saying uh, but I think it does shed light on uh, the organization and structure of a confederation in that in Wikipedia it describes it uh, a confederation as a union of sovereign states sovereign being a, a very key concept <clears throat> and it was something uh, Austin was identifying as well who are united for purposes of common action, often in relation to other states. And Wikipedia describes how there's usually like a treaty or a charter that governs their operation. And they have a a sort of central government, but it's um, in confederalism, the central government is uh, weaker than would be, um, what's the alternative? Than a federal one. And um, that central sort of government deals with a certain set of issues, Um, for instance, Wikipedia lists defense, foreign relations, internal trade or currency, and so forth. And Ra describes some of the – a few of the duties of the council, which is at – I I would guess like the um, nucleus of the confederation and how the council admits new members and makes decisions – or offers advice regarding how its members can serve other social memory complexes, specifically ours on Earth in third density. <clears throat> and uh how each in Wikipedia it describes how each member retains their sovereignty, how they can secede from the Confederation if they want to. And what else did I get out of useful out of it? I think that's pretty much it. And uh 7.9 Ra describes what those duties are of the council. And then um finally I came up with a with a symbol for the confederation. <laughs> and I want to go on record as uh, trademarking that right now. Confederation. So, um We can discuss how I will be rewarded for that later on. But in 1226, Ra describes um, social memory complexes and that they say, when a social memory complex has achieved its complete understanding of its desire, it may conclude that its desire is service to others with the distortion toward reaching their hand figuratively to any entities who call for aid. So my proposal for the confederations symbol is a figurative reaching of the hand or tentacle or appendage or whatever um, may best convey a hand depending on the um, nature of the body complexes receiving that aid. But I think that would best represent um, the confederation because that's, that's why they are working together to offer their service, to share their resources, to empower their offering of service, and to respond to whoever and whenever there is a call to the best of their abilities.
2: You guys have any further thoughts? Uh, one thought just came to me as you were talking there. and uh, you know I've read that same phrase that you mentioned many times. In fact, my lecture a couple weeks ago had it in it. That uh, the confederation is comprised of uh, entities that from uh, a wide number of planets and uh, civilizations, 500 civilizations, 53 planets. And yet, it is our little old council of Saturn and this tiny little solar system that has a hard time producing harmony that is the center. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what that do you we, mean hard well, time the, pro- oh, well, sorry. We have Mars that uh, destroyed well, – uh, his planet was uh, too inhospitable for the third density to complete. Maldek was destroyed. We're fighting wars here on Earth. As far as we know, only Venus, maybe Saturn, has had any luck in being harmonious. And yet, our little solar system is the center of where other planetary entities or social member complexes are either granted or not granted admission to the Confederation of Planets in the service of the Infinite Creator. Maybe they put their center where they need it most. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm wondering
1: if it depends on the circumstances that maybe they were like, well, the solar system obviously needs our full attention right now, so let's hang out in these rings for a little bit.
0: So it would be like the UN putting their HQ in the Middle East, a place where
1: there is so, perpetual conflict.
0: Um,
1: um, yeah, I was going to say I completely forgot that we had asked Kuo this same question But I'm kind of glad that I forgot because then I would not have included it in these questions. But I think that uh, I really appreciated your answer, Gary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was um, a good elaboration. And um, I recalled something else while Jim was talking, and that's that Ra says in the Law of One that this particular confederation is one of many across the universe. So it seems natural to... um, organize and group ourselves into collectives and then to organize and group those collectives into super collectives and so on and so forth Uh, it seems the way everything actually is arranged the way uh, atoms form into molecules molecules form into cells cells form into tissue tissue forms into organs organs into body and so forth little uh wilbur-esque there (laughs)
1: <laughs> he called. Uh, he calls them holons. holons. Well, I think that term comes from somewhere else, but uh, holons and holarchies arranged in a holarchy. Yeah, it's not a hierarchy because it's including that which is below it. It is not um, superseding it or above it. It is simply growing out from it, and not seeking to dominate or suppress the lower rungs,
0: unless it's become pathological. Yeah, and
2: then it's a malarkey.
0: <laughs> exactly. So that's the scientific term for it. Well played. <clears throat> so any further thoughts about confederations or federations? Or...
3: Not for Not me.
0: Well, right. <clears throat> then uh, moving along to Jeremy's next question, and this um, is often the case with Jeremy. He would might probably have a better answer to his own question than <laughs> um, we could come up <laughs> with, especially on this one in particular. But Um, he, he gives us good, uh, stimulation for discussion. So I have a feeling that, uh, Austin's going to have the best answer to this one. So we'll put him last and we'll ask the question and, um, (laughs) that's too much pressure. (laughs) We're going to fail. Oh, you're on. You've got to perform now. Um, the question is short and simple. What is the spiritual significance of the computer at this time in our history? So, Jim has probably had a lot of time in his life to contemplate computers. What do you think, Jim?
2: I think the computer is training wheels for the social memory complex. Short and simple. Huh.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> did you read my reply? I had that sentence.
2: <laughs> pretty nope. Pretty much. I'm though.
0: So, in what way do you think that it's training wheels for the social memory complex?
2: Well, I think it's helping us to form a, a group mind, a planetary mind. I mean, the social media in general, I mean, things go viral. And that means that everybody knows about it. And everybody knows about it because they have these little devices that communicate with each other. Like, I think, you know, eventually we're going to have um, the equivalent of a very super computer in our teeth. And we'll, we'll tap our teeth once to turn it on. And then we'll be sending messages back and forth. And eventually we won't need the computer in our teeth. We'll be able to do it. Uh, mentally. I think that eventually uh, what is going to happen with the planetary population that remains after the harvest here is that, you know, it all will be uh, telepathic contact. It'll be um, telepathic uh, concepts, not just individual words. And a whole um, field of information will be sent at one time and will be able to be processed at one time. I think that the, the ability of the mind at that time will be as the, the most incredible computer we could ever imagine and probably the most incredible computer we cannot imagine. Mm.
3: That's,
2: that's what I think.
0: <laughs> I think that there is no better single concept than training wheels. I could not agree more. Um, <clears throat> I expanded a little bit on this and Considered the history of um, the confederations, speaking of, interaction with this planet, Um, Ra describes members of the confederation as harvesters, only an an analogy, Um, perhaps in in some literal literal respects, but harvesters in that uh, we, third density entities, are souls planted in the soil of this planet or the soil of third density and um using the catalyst for growth or not using it um we grow in the soil we mature we, we evolve and if we reach the point where we are uh where we have matured or um are bearing fruit then we are harvested we're pulled in a sense. From this soil to move on to the next stage, all according to our own free will, of course, nothing happened. The confederation assists that process, much as the gardener assists the, um, the vegetables and fruits in his own garden. And as part of their assistance, they have watched the development, or lack thereof, on planet Earth. The first ma- major cycle completed at 25,000 years, and there was no one to be harvested. They waited and watched more, and the second major cycle came along, and there were like, I think Ra said, 150 souls in South America that had uh, become harvestable. That group became the elder race. And now the confederation becomes concerned. Ra likened it to um, waiting for springtime to see if there was any growth, and springtime doesn't come, or springtime comes, and there is no growth. So uh, they, I think they be, their gears began churning, you might say, and they started developing strategies or programs to try to assist uh, um, those of us in third density to, in order to increase the harvest to, because that's the function of this density. That's the—that's um, what we are supposed to do, and they want to help with that. So um, there are different points where they are able to help according to a call uh, in Atlantis. I think they helped Lemuria, Egypt, um, Greece, and so forth. But fast forward um, much closer to the present, to the end of the major cycle and the master cycle, and um, a couple hundred years ago, there are waves of incarnating wanderers um, in a heavy influx. Uh, The purpose of these waves being to seed ideas into the planetary mind regarding uh, what I believe to be individual liberty and freedom of will and perhaps even of self-governance and self-determination. And some years later in the 1800s came what we call the Industrial Revolution. Uh, This also aided by wanderers and... Um, The confederation. And the goal being with these waves and um, this progress to free uh, entities from their slavish obligations in order that they might basically have more free time to consider and participate in their own spiritual evolution. Uh, I speculate that computers are definitely another portion or step in this same trajectory, um, part of the same efforts, the same overall program of um, assistance that the Confederation has been working on, which isn't to say I assign responsibility of computers to them, um, to these, these helpful beings, but uh, I, I imagine that it's, it's um, part of a, a development that they hoped to achieve. Um, and for reasons exactly as Jim was stating, um, a computer is a, a, quite simply the a training wheels of a social memory complex. What we're doing with technology, we, outer technology, physical technology, we will eventually be doing with our minds. Um, and I'm coming close to wrapping up. Uh, there are innumerable benefits of the computer. We could spend the whole show simply naming them in list fashion. Um, but in my own reply, not without diving into the computer's utility as a work tool or work amplifier or its capacity to help educate and inform, but to strictly focus on its sociological benefits. Um, it is a means that has, as Jim was identifying that helps us to share more of each other with more of each other, uh, through social media, especially we can, we find each other. We brush up against conflicting viewpoints that we might not otherwise have been exposed to. Um, we find our groups and, um, and we just, it, it accelerates, and amplifies and enlargens our interaction and our meeting of one to another and with that comes um exponentially complicated cross pollination of ideas and people and and learning hopefully though um it does have its dark sides and people can use computers to create their own um, self-affirming bubble whereby they see only what they want to see and so forth. But it does at least offer the opportunity that we are um, interacting with each other on levels we never had been able to previously. Anyway, Austin, what do you think?
1: I think that you set me up to go last so that you could say everything there was to say. (laughs) Make me look like a fool. Um, I really like, I had a long answer and it is a lot like both of yours combined, especially with the last bit that you said, I focused on that. You talked about opportunity that it offers and I was going to mention how the computer and the internet specifically, since it seems hard to separate the internet from the computer uh, in this day and age, Um, but the computer and the internet offer the potential for growth, but they also offer other potentials. I feel like, uh, whenever there's a tool like the internet or the computer where there's a potential for personal evolution and growth and unification, there's the same potential in the other direction or a similar potential even for, um, distraction and sleep. And it depends on how we utilize it and that, uh, allows us to access that certain potential. So um, along the lines of that positive potential, which I think is probably the biggest benefit and will be the way that it's used the most uh, moving forward into the future, um, I feel like there's potential for negative use. Um, There can be... uh, The media in general has been used as a source of manipulation... Uh, through propaganda and things like that. And I feel like um, the tactics that are able to be used on the internet in similar veins uh, can be very powerful. And the ability to mobilize massive amounts of people based on uh, emotional responses and emotional resonance with certain ideals and ideas uh, can also be a positive thing or a negative thing as well. Um, You could really just get so many people involved in something, and it doesn't always end up being a positive thing when that happens. Um, And then there's the potential for sleep as well, uh, or even just reinforcing um, sort of what we might call lower personality traits, uh, where instead of allowing ourselves to be open and connected with other people, we are very selective and we pick and choose how we present ourselves to other people and we ensure that only certain parts of our personality are presented and that we isolate our own uh, interaction with others to things that only we want to be aware of and only we want... that. We only want to uh, be within our sphere of influence and uh, we don't go and seek out the catalyst that is possible through this, uh, which I think the catalyst that's possible through this unification is incredible. Like you're talking about, Gary, being exposed to alternative viewpoints. Um, This density has always been about socially interacting with other people and gaining catalyst from that and the internet is an ever expanding the bubble of interaction between everybody in the entire world and the amount of catalyst that you can get from interacting with pretty much anybody you want to interact with uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, it's not anywhere in the world, there's still some places that don't have ready access to the internet but uh, we're getting close to being able to provide internet to everybody and so our world is very close to being connected completely. And um, I do feel like it is a net positive thing, but there is still potential for both uh, indifferent and negative uses with the internet as well. And um, I was also going to mention the idea of it being sort of a preliminary aspect of the social memory complex. Uh, that seems like it's an obvious point to make in this topic. Um, that's about all I have to say. Um I see that we did not cover
0: all the bases. And um, I think it's uh, really helpful to highlight that there are downsides. And perhaps it's a function, too, of the way Ra describes the universe working in balance, that any time one half of a spectrum is activated or highlighted or emphasized, this is some interpretation on my part, then um, there's always a latent other side of the spectrum, And it does have downsides, and one of those uh, aspects that fits both ends of the spectrum is how uh, the computer and the um, subsequent internet erode are eroding privacy more and more, and that's a big concern in this world because there are negative interests out there. There's exploitative interest, um, but the f- flip side of that is that in making privacy a little bit more difficult or making us potentially at least a little bit more transparent to one another where we may be moving in the direction of the social memory complex wherein there is no privacy so far as I'm aware and that even the thoughts inside your mind which are among the most private things in this particular world in the next density are open for everybody to see and um not just the thoughts in your mind but the thoughts in everybody else's mind um so maybe this is also prepping us in that regard um what else was i going to say oh another reason that uh i thought you would bring something unique to the table is because you've considered this subject uh m- may i talk about your book <laughs> uh yeah sure you've considered this subject, uh, for a book that you've been chewing on for a couple few years now and, um, regarding a technology that allows people to, um, live in, and correct me because I know I'm going to butcher this, but live in, in a sort of, um, digital medium, um, whereby each can react and create, uh, realities that is a, a sort of um, a, a social memory complex enabled
1: through technology am i How far away am I getting from that that 's a good way to put it it 's kind of similar to the idea that Jim was talking about. Um, he was talking about computers uh, in your teeth and uh, eventually moving away from that um, i won 't get too deep into it because I think one of the worst things you can do as an aspiring author is talk a lot about a book that you never actually write. Yeah um but it is a an idea that i feel very strongly about and am very passionate about writing this book so the general concept being that um already we have technology where our uh mental um brainwaves can be read and interpreted by computers and um We can use these things to uh, control interfaces on computers. So we're getting to the point where you can kind of think a command to a computer, and the computer will do that. And so uh, my idea uh, was to basically have an internet built off of that concept, uh, an internet built off of thoughts, where you uh, hold a certain concept in your mind, and you are connected to uh, that aspect of a collective internet of everybody's thoughts. And so um, the thing about this technology is it requires uh, concentration and willpower in order to use it. Even the technology we have right now, you have to be able to hold a clear state of mind and hold that thought Uh, sort of crystallize that thought in your mind in order for the computer to recognize what you're thinking. And so my idea is uh, that this internet would sort of be the preliminary workings of the social memory complex in that it allows us and requires us to have more deeper thought, more concentration, more dedication to our thoughts, uh, be more conscious of our thoughts, and have more discipline over what we are thinking. And the more discipline we're able to have with our thoughts, the deeper we're able to connect with others uh, in similar thoughts. And so that's the premise for the book. It's going to be a grand novel with lots of drama and uh, a great story as well. Uh, but that's the premise behind the the basis of the technology. Awesome. Um, well, thanks for sharing that publicly for the first time.
0: you <laughs> your fans, of which um, there's probably three who know about it, <laughs> are eagerly <laughs> awaiting. Um, also, what came to mind about computers is that uh, computers are probably the closest thing to us or to consciousness that humans have created and as such they reveal a lot about who we are um i mean one can there are mirrors everywhere and any aspect of life being that everything is interconnected and everything is one um every aspect of life offers us an analogy about life, about the journey, about who we are, whether it's rivers, mountains, and oceans, or plant life, or animal life, or music, or travel. And computers, I think, offer us some of the greatest insight into who we are. And Ra even uses um, terminology that comes from the computer in describing the journey of incarnations. They use the word programming and say that we program our lives. Um, to learn certain lessons, and and experience itself unfolds according to, uh, or in cooperation with that programming, and so forth. So, um, Jim, we've been doing a lot of yapping. Do you have any further thoughts?
2: Um, not on the computer,
1: <laughs> Austin. Um. One final thought, don't want to run us over too much, but in the vein of what you were saying with computers being a reflection of uh, our own capacities and our own uh, inner selves, I think that it's really interesting to look at the um, uh, art that comes out and like the movies and stuff that deal with the concept of uh, artificial intelligence and AI and that um, you, you'll notice that it's very, very rare that in this, in these stories, an AI becomes self-aware and then goes on a rampage of love and happiness and trying to help humans. Every single time we imagine an AI, they become this destructive force that tries to take over and kill everything. Or in the very least, they become a very cold, materialistic, and detached form of intelligence that is lacking all sort of um, what I would call humanity or... Uh, Uh, Just no love or what we really feel is the uh, essence of life. And so I think that is a great reflection of um, maybe our shadow side or this really strong theme in uh, the scientific community even that says that we are simply biological machines ourselves, that consciousness isn't a significant thing. It's only a result of material uh, interacting And that really the universe is just sort of a cold, lifeless place and we're sort of an accident that happens. I think that our thoughts of uh, our interpretations of AI are sort of an outgrowth of that, that like um, that is the coldness that is really being communicated there of the universe. And uh, there's really something deeper than that that we're not seeing in ourselves quite yet. Yeah, I hadn't considered...
0: um... That, but there's a lot of insight in there in how we, um, at least in mass media, envision a world with AI, and maybe too uh, part of that has to do with um, selling books or selling movie tickets, and that Mm -hmm. you know an evil AI or um, is going to um, appeal to audiences more. But at the same time, I think that there is a genuine fear there. Um, Whereas humanity has for a long time enjoyed being at the top of the food chain, you might say, on planet Earth, the dominant species, due not to its physical prowess, um, but to its rational mind, to then create, to duplicate that single most important advantage, that is the rational, intuitive mind, in a machine, which um, has not only... The rational mind, but um, exponentially increased uh, computing powers plus increased uh, physical strength and increased uh, ability to not be as limited to the need for resources, uh, shelter, sleep, food, whatever that may be, as humans are. So we, uh, to you, the listener, we had, um, lost the, uh, Skype had cut out on us. So to resume, I believe I was saying something about, um, humans creating something in their own nature and then, uh, looking back through history and surveying the situation and realize what a, um, warlike or brutal or vicious nature that is so, um, naturally if, AI is an extension of us and is stronger than us, then um, there is a real genuine
1: fear there.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And one final thought, uh, just for the exception to that, there is a movie recommendation I would like for everybody. And uh, Gary, I know you've watched this and you liked it as well, but there's a movie called Her Um, that is an exception to that. It's an incredible movie about artificial intelligence that – Goes along a spiritual path, and uh, i won 't say more than that, but it is it 's a very sad movie uh full of emotions but it's just it 's incredible and I do think that it's sort of a um i would almost say it's like a fourth density movie almost like it's it 's just a really really good movie uh, and I would recommend it to everybody
0: All right yeah and second austin 's opinion it is very thought provoking very good. And that will wrap up our show today. Uh, Jim, do you want to say anything to the listeners?
2: Yes. Thank you all so much for being with us, for sending us questions, for listening to what we have to say, for sending us your love. We love you very, very much. And we hope that you will come back and listen to us again in two weeks. And before
0: I close out with the outro, I want to say that um, part of me thinks sometimes that I should build into the intro uh, some kind of apology in advance for being such a dork often when doing this show. Um, personally, I don't know how Jim and Austin feel, but I could be really good with this information. But when it comes to like the social aspect of presentation or conversation, especially when there's a mic on me, my brain kind of freezes and I feel really awkward So um, maybe getting that out there will help me in the future. But to close, you've been listening to LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question for us before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. New episodes are published to the archive website every other wednesday at uh, in the afternoon uh, have a wonderful week and two weeks and we'll talk with you then